Uh, what's up, Mike? What's up, Walker? Should we do this? Let's do it. All right, everybody, welcome to Walls Down, the podcast where we discuss the experience of modern masculinity. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Walker. I'm Mike. So this is uh, our second part of the interview, sort of me and Mike discussing our experiences of, you know, our, our, our masculinity stories. Um, but we haven't seen each other. How, how you been, Mike? I haven't seen Mike in a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm good. I was in Park City, Utah working. Nice. That was an experience. <laughs> yeah, it was nice being out there. What, what, was, uh, what was the experience? I mean, it's obviously very different from New York, but you've been other places. Yeah, I've never been to Utah. Um, it was cool. It was different because it was slower paced, quiet. Um, I was in nature. I saw a moose. <laughs> so fucking moose like right outside my window some real just like out there shit some yeah. wilderness shit <laughs> yeah i was like bugging out i called a bunch of people facetiming and i got mad close to it and and the <laughs> what, were, what was your goal were you gonna like touch it or i was fucking nature man <laughs> i was out there i was in the full experience of like being in the woods in the wilderness like and the moose was looking at me like what are you doing and i'm just like Oh, I'm FaceTiming. I'm like, I was calling people like, yo, there's a moose. Look. And everybody's like, yo, you're a kid right now. Like, are you That's crazy? cool, though. Yeah. Um, so how was it being out there working with? I mean, in, in sort of context, you're working with a young guy, right? Yeah, I was uh, life coaching um, this young, young dude, uh, 17 years old. And it was cool because he's open-minded and... Uh, trying to get sober and I got to go out there and share my experience mm. with him and just be of service to him mm. and his mom and really connect and I was sharing this before we got on the the podcast like I really got this opportunity to heal my 17 year old self and connect to the 17 year old version of me and like be and just sit there one morning and meditate and tell my 17 year old self like yo I love you uh, and I'm here for you and um, yeah, it was a crazy experience. It was like one of those like spiritual awakenings and spiritual experiences that I'm like, whoa, like I was not expecting this. And yeah, I asked you, I was like, yo, is this crazy or is this like, am I crazy right now? And like, not yeah. at all. Yeah. I think that's the thing of like when you connect, whether, whether you're working with them, you know, but really just when you connect with a, another person like in an honest way and you you share, both of you share what you're struggling with, what you've learned, what, you know, how you've grown, you help yourself, you help them. I mean, both of us are in helping yeah. professions, but also I think a part of just like having a true experience with someone else, it, it like can heal different parts of you that you couldn't access on your on your own. Um, and had no idea that they were even oh, there, yeah. like not a clue. Um, well, so I, the last three weeks I was at a bachelor party in New Orleans. Yeah, I was at buddy. a wedding <laughs> in Pennsylvania and I was with my family in, uh, in Na- Nashville, which it's not necessarily where my family's from, but mm-hmm. my sister lives and, and a brother lives there now. And so it was in the context of, of this show, you know, between the bachelor party, the wedding, personally, there was some some masculinity stuff. And then um, I've got four nephews that were at this, this family get-together who are all, I think the oldest one's like six. And the youngest one is one. Mm-hmm. But seeing, you know, little little dudes like learning... And they express themselves very differently. They're very, um, you know, their parents or my siblings are different. And so they, you know, they have different styles of parenting. And But, but just to see, like, it, it, again, to your point, it reminded me of, like, when I was a little kid. And, like, when I was, you know, and, like, you hurt yourself and you try not to cry. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, and it made me think about, and I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but, like, I, ha- I always had such discomfort with boys crying. 
Like I, I, I'm sure I have no doubt that it came from my discomfort with crying, but I used to work as like a, a day camp counselor at, or like after school kind of thing. Um, and when the kids, it was like first graders to fifth graders. And when the boys would hurt themselves or something would happen, they would cry. I would like take them into another room or, or like, and be like, it's okay. It's okay. Like nobody saw. And they, I remember even this one kid being like, what, what do you mean? Like he was okay with it. I wasn't okay with it. Like yeah. I wasn't okay with him crying. I was too uncomfortable with it. And it was like, I felt shame for him. Um, and I didn't put it together at the time. Like it was years later that I sort of figured that out. But so anyway, that being around that, um, it was, it was a good, uh, three weekends and the bachelor party, you know, I was with a pretty, it was a pretty good group of guys. It wasn't like anybody outrageous or disgusting behavior or anything. It was a pretty solid group. It was my younger brother. It's his, a bunch of his friends who I like. Um, but you know, just being in New Orleans, like you just see, it's, it's very high. Everything is turned up, you know, mm-hmm. and at a bachelor party, everything is turned up those masculine roles and stuff. And, it, uh, it it was interesting, for sure. It was interesting to see stuff. It was interesting to see kind of where I'm, and we'll get to this later, you know, as we'll talk later, about, like, having had this sort of eyes opening to things. Yeah. Um, not feeling like, oh, I need to correct everyone or, like, people are doing anything wrong, but just, like, seeing how the old me would have reacted in a situation or would have acted in a situation. Um but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. It sounds like you were just observing everything. <laughs> that, it, that was a lot of that. I try, and I did, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like you can't help but sort of, I can't help but sometimes be like, well, is that, you know, like I challenge. But it's, I'm challenging, I'm not challenging the person. I'm challenge like, I'm not there to correct people's. And I think that's a lot of people's get uncomfortable with that. And then they get upset when people are out there correcting everybody, whether it be online or whatever, correcting language, correcting behavior. And I'm not. I'm not here to take a side, either side on that. You know, like I have my own opinions, which I'm sure will come out in this podcast eventually. Um, but when I feel that a lot of times the discomfort or where I want to correct someone, a lot of times it's, I'm just, I'm uncomfortable because someone's acting in a way that I used to act yes. that makes me feel embarrassed or uncomfortable that I used to act that way. Or I used mm-hmm. to say things like that when I know, when I knew they weren't true to who I was. Yeah. And I know, usually I know the person and I know it's not really true to their character or, or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, so, you know, before we get into the um, kind of what we were talking, you know, picking up off off the last one, I wanted, I was reading on the way over here, I had three things, three experiences, and I want to share, two of them are things I read, and one of them is a thing I saw, so I'll go things I read first, and I know you like numbers, and I know you like, like, symbol, and yes, the two things, I just started this book when I was on the train over here. Oh, also, if you hear like birds chirping and sirens, we're in. It's a beautiful day in Brooklyn. Or the door opening. The door opening. It's a wonderful day, and we've got the windows open, and you know. Summer's here. In New summer's York, here man. in New York. It's live and, out in the streets. That's street. exactly. There's a lot of life. Yes. So this is probably the quietest place <laughs> I've been all day. Um, but so I was reading this book that a, a lot of people, um, I think, in the uh, helping professions read it's called the four agreements and uh i've someone told me to read it like five years ago you've read it good and i hadn't i've never read it but reading this these two little brief like paragraphs made me think about what we're doing here like what we're talking about and how i wouldn't so so the first one would oh the thing about the numbers the two things were on page three and on page seven which are my two lucky numbers which i thought was you would appreciate that so um the first one which is on page three, it says, by using our attention, we learn a whole reality, a whole dream. We learned how to behave in society, what to believe and what not to believe, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, what is good and what is bad, what is beautiful and what is ugly, what is right and what is wrong. It was all there already, all the knowledge, all those rules and concepts about how to behave in the world. So that was one, and then I'll read this this other one. Um, the reward feels good, 
and we keep doing what others want us to do in order to get the reward. With that fear of being punished and that fear of not getting the reward, we start pretending to be what we are not, just to please others, just to be good enough for someone else. We try to please mom and dad. We try to please the teachers at school. We try to please the church. We start acting. We pretend to be what we are not because we are afraid of being rejected. The fear of being rejected becomes the fear of not being good enough. Eventually, we become someone that we are not. We become a copy of mama's beliefs, daddy's beliefs, society's beliefs, and religion's beliefs. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, wow. So I thought that I thought that spoke. <laughs> wow. You know, you you could. That's not a mess. This isn't a book on masculinity, and it's not. You know, this is not what was said is not specific to masculinity. But I think it's so powerful to what we were talking about, or so accurate to what. Ooh. You know, I think even on the last podcast we were talking about acting and like acting for rewards, like yep. acting to get things, but. What I love about this and, and this idea is like in the moment, in the moment, it, I maybe had a, a little bit of a glimpse that it was an act or a little bit of like a, hmm, does it, like that it was a choice. But for the majority of the time, it was like, this is who I am. These are my beliefs. These are, this is who I want to be. Um, and so... It says, you know, like basically like, you know, we do these things and we become someone we're not. And I think for me, that's where so much discomfort came in. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We're wearing masks. Exactly. And like those, those masks, you know, are based on, I think those masks are built on mostly good intentions. Yeah. Like I don't think any, especially like my parents, most of my teachers, my friend, no one was like, I'm let's fuck each other up. Like, let's tell each other. I'm going to tell my kids stuff to like cause them pain. Like everything was done with the intention of helping. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a good, like to get us going in that, like that place of like what I was learning that caused that. But the one thing I wanted to share that I saw, and again, it just made me, it was just so, maybe it was cause I was in this mindset. I was on the subway over here. And when I got on the train, you know how like when it's kind of busy and you get on the train in New York, if you're not from New York, this is you and you visit, you can experience this. And there's like, no, everything else seems crowded and you get on, you're like, oh shit, there's a seat right here. Totally mm-hmm. open. And then you realize it's because there's like someone who's like usually a homeless person who like, like might smell really badly or is like doing something. So I realized there was a guy sitting down and I'm like, oh, he had like a bunch of bags and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well I want to sit down. So I don't care. So I just sat down across from him. And, uh, he was probably, I would say he was like late thirties, early forties, black man. And I think I I would say he's probably unmedicated schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was, he, I don't even know if he registered that I was there. Like he was just having a very heated argument with himself. Yeah. Um, and he was like speaking at times in a, like a British accent and he was talking like, really like I could hear this argument happening and I was reading, I didn't want to just like stare at him or anything, but it was, it was kind of distracted and listening. And then it made me think like, this is a person by being off his medication, like he is living outside of those, of those roles Mm -hmm. that we create. You know what I mean? Like a person of his identity normally would not act at all the way he's acting and if he was people would say that's crazy like what are you doing they would correct his behavior and i'm not saying that he's free necessarily because i think he is very constrained in his life because of what he he suffers with and struggles with but it showed that it shows that this stuff is not inherent you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like a a 38 year old black man in america does not act the way that the majority of that age men do because it's not, it's our nature. Yeah. It's, we've learned it. Yeah. And this is a guy who has thrown out everything he's learned. And and again, I'm not saying I was envious of him or that he isn't struggling, but it's just this clear sign that we don't do it because it's the only way to do it. Yeah. Right. Like we do it because it's, these are rules. Mm -hmm. The rules we're supposed to subscribe to. And who, but who made these rules? 
Well, that, that's a good question. Right? That I mean, that and like to what end? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Because who made them? You know, it's yeah. Who came up with these set of rules? And do and can they change? Can yeah. we challenge them? Yeah, I think that, that that's the whole premise of this uh, podcast yeah. is like figuring out like a new set of rules. Not to say those rules that we've learned are bad or wrong or whatever. It's just let's explore. Yeah, they, they, they some of them weren't so useful for me. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I'd like take the right and wrong out of it. Take good and bad out of it. Mm-hmm. Like some of them who were these like some of these rules that were given to me probably to help me mm-hmm. did not help me. Yeah. They, they caused me pain. Yes. So, yeah. So I think they were they were more survivor tactics. Yeah. But to survive what? To to survive, to to be a part of the man group man code or man yeah. group or society yeah or, i guess or, yeah the, the the things i learned the tactics i used to hmm it's inter- well i guess it's interesting because i guess it wasn't the rules necessarily that caused me pain for lack of a better term it was that i didn't feel those Deep inside, I now recognize that those rules didn't feel true to who I was. Yes. And so trying to force myself to be someone I, I wasn't, that's what caused me pain. Yes. So it's not to say the rules, again, are right or wrong or whatever, that for someone else, maybe it does feel perfectly right and it's never caused them any distress. It's never felt, uh, it hasn't limited them. It mm-hmm. has, you know, but for me, those, that wasn't true. And I think that is the beauty of this podcast is like being able to like talk about that without judgment or fear, uh, anxiety or anger. It's just like, yo, we're just trying to learn Hmm. and see different perspectives. Yeah. Um, And and just here and yeah, have a platform for people. What, what, uh, you know, to say what their perspective was or what their experience was, you know, um, take a break briefly. Um, and then after the break, we'll get into kind of back where we were, but it's funny. My, um, <laughs> my girlfriend was like, is worried that people are going to like come after us online. Like people who are like, I mean, she's, it's very sweet that she's worried, but like that, like sort of men's rights activists or that kind of thing. And, and my response to her was like, I would love to have someone like that. I'd love to have anyone who shares, who has that sort of understanding or value set, have them on and not to debate with anyone or uh, again, cause that's not the idea of this. The idea is to share what your experience was like, yep. and I can't tell I can't tell someone else that their experience is incorrect. Exactly. And I, I, I would hope no one would try. I mean, no one could convince me that my experience wasn't my experience cause I was the one who was there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. But so, um, but yeah, so again, and I forgot to say it's the top, but like, you know, if you do want to, you know, you're like, I need to come on here. Or if you want to like troll us, troll us on, uh, it's Please. walls down podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, or, you know, you can comment or review or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll, uh, get back into sort of our history. Sweet. Welcome back to Walls Down Podcast. I'm Walker. I'm Mike. You guys know that. You already, I mean, it's not like you went anywhere. Yeah, you guys are still here with us. Um, so uh, let's jump back into kind of what we were talking about on the last episode. I think we ended, we were kind of talking about high school and, and identity and sports and friendship and how we just didn't really have... I mean, I felt like we were talking about like language and how we didn't have emotional language and none of it. None. Didn't I I mean I didn't speaking for myself. I didn't learn those things or I weren't taught those things, so yeah. Yeah. So as you went on so and, and the, you know, in kind of what that book's saying is like we learn these 
roles. We learned these things that got us rewards. Where did it go from there? Like kind of end of high school, post high school, where did, where did these roles play out? Like what was the next step? So after high school, um, I graduated and I had two major eye surgeries. So I had two cornea transplants. I was legally blind in both my eyes. And, uh, Whoa. Yeah, right after uh, I had my left eye. What, can I ask for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? What, how'd you find out? Like, so you, I, were you not being able to see all of a sudden? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, I was still pretty good. I was good at basketball, and I could see the court fine and was performing at a high level. Um, right when I got out of graduated, um, my vision got a little worse. Um, so I just went to go get a routine checkup. And the doctor was like, whoa, you need to go see a specialist. So we went to the specialist in UCLA. It's a corneal specialist. And he was like, we need to perform surgery like now. Whoa. And that sort of like rocked me where I was like, oh, what? And On your I, eye too. Yeah. So maybe not even like a month later, two months later, uh, I had cornea transplants. In both eyes? On my left eye. Uh-huh. And then a year later, I had my, or six months later, I had my right eye done. Huh. So I was, basketball was, I mean, I tried to play again after both my eyes were like fully healed. Was your plan to play in college? Or? Yeah, it was, I went to a community college uh-huh. um, and I was going to try to transfer from there. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, after my first surgery, I was just like, done. Yeah, you know, it was just like you just couldn't do it anymore. I mean, I tried to continue to play after both my surgeries were done, but it, the love and I don't even know if it was love. It was just the competitive drive wasn't there anymore, mm. and I was also scared to get hit in the eye uh, because, like, once I was able to like see like clearly now, um, it was like I don't want to risk this. Yeah, like I don't want to risk getting hit in the eye, and when you get. Um, any sort of like transplant, your body can reject it at any moment. Just because you get the transplant doesn't mean your body is going to take hold of it. So even today, I'm turning 31 next Saturday, my my cornea can reject it. My body can reject the cornea still. Still? Yeah. Because I knew it's like host versus whatever, like, you know, obviously a doctor um <laughs> same you uh but i didn't know i thought after a certain time they're like oh it seems like it's good no and luckily like i haven't had knock on wood i haven't had any like i've had one episode like i was playing basketball and sweat got into my eye or something happened i don't even know if it was a sweat because i work out uh-huh. and my eye just swelled up and i had to go to the er it was the day before thanksgiving this year? No, or no, this no. Like, last year? No, no, like years ago. Uh, like maybe like a year, two years after my surgery. So maybe uh, it was just because like still, it was still new. Yeah. But. It's funny that you were yeah. playing basketball though. It's like this thing, yeah. this basketball. It's like your eyes, your body was rejecting yeah. basketball, which <laughs> you've, you've said like basketball was your access point to popularity fitting in everything uh, it was the door to everything but you've also like <laughs> you're like i didn't even like it no i don't like basketball no. and you, it was like your body was rejecting basketball yeah. mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. so what was that like when you to have this because that, that's what i'm wondering like so one because that's such a fundamental thing to lose your sight so it's like i can totally see why it's like you don't want to risk it. Mm-hmm. But what was the what was the experience like? Was did the basketball still represent that same? Did it still grant you that same access in college, or what was the deal? No, after that, I mean, after my surgery, I was going to this community college. So in my mind, I was like, I'm not gonna take this serious. Like, it's just like another step up from high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like senior year plus. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like serious to me. Yeah. Um, and then once I got hit with the surgery, it was just like, okay, I'm going to start smoking weed. And then at that point, like I could manipulate anyone, Mm. you know, like everybody knew I had surgery. Mm. Um, I played the pity card to like perfection. Hmm. 
uh, my friends were selling drugs, so I would be like, hey, like, I, got a, I got a migraine. Um, and they would just give me a pill. And so, like, I would just start manipulating anyone mm. that would listen to me and get whatever I wanted. And mm. I started living this double life of, like, poor me. You know, I was a basketball player that got dealt this shitty hand of cards. Mm. And um, yet again, I didn't know how to express my feelings of, like, anger and sadness. And yeah. um, looking back in retrospect, like, I didn't know I didn't like basketball, but I just knew I had something that was taken away from me that offered me power Mm. and that's what I wanted was power and control and access Mm. to different things and now that I didn't have those options or um you know things who am I Mm. you know so I started selling drugs (laughs) Mm. and I didn't have like a male role model in, in in my life where I could be like what should I do and I didn't take school serious, seriously. Did you? And maybe at the time you maybe didn't know this because you weren't getting paid to play basketball, obviously. No. So what, you weren't selling drugs because you needed a new source of income, right? No, I just wanted to fit in with it was my like new a new set new of identity. friends. Yeah, it was exactly mm. perfectly said. It mm. was a new identity. And yeah, it was create. Like, you remember in the last episode where you were. Uh, talking about how you were in like your punk rock phase mm. and then you went to to the new school and you yeah, got yeah. your polo and like started like hanging out with different people yeah, and like yeah. everything just opened up it was sort of that like this part of my life was like shut mm. so it was like how can I recreate myself yeah I'm gonna be the drug dealer and, and kind of as fucked up as it is I mean there, uh, the idea of drug dealer, it's almost like a masculine stereotype, like a trope, like one of the, a different, like you got like a lumberjack and mm-hmm. a firefighter and like, but there's this like sort of this like hard ass, like I fuck, I deal drugs. I don't give, it's like, I don't, I don't care what I do to people. I'm here for money. Mm-hmm. Like that, that mentality in some ways I feel like is, is like a quote unquote masculine mentality. It's all about power. Like, as I'm saying this, I'm like, wow, like, playing basketball in high school and being the star player gave me power. Being the drug dealer after high school gave me power. Like, I had people that needed me. Yeah. You know, relied upon me. Yeah. Um, And that's what I wanted, was, like, power. And obviously, I was operating off of fear. I didn't know that, but, like... You know. Yeah, you want you want uh, yeah that idea of having power and and whatever way you go to get it because I, you know, I'm thinking about my I, I went to college after um, high school and um, didn't uh, again didn't I mean that doesn't really matter but like didn't didn't put a lot of effort into it, it as like got into whatever school I got into like the school I ended up going to. I'd never even been, I went to University of Colorado and I'd never even been to the campus. I never seen I just knew I liked Colorado. I knew it was like big like I liked to party and and something that I that speaks to what you're talking about is this idea of like what I was good at and what got me access and something I, I learned in high school but really amped up in college was that I learned I was fun to party with. Like mm-hmm. I was a fun like people enjoyed partying with me. Mm-hmm. And you know you and I have talked about this is in no way a sobriety podcast. This isn't a use pod. This isn't a substance uh, drugs podcast. We just happen to know each other because we're both sober. Like yeah. that, that's that was the keystone to how we met. Yeah, had very, we very quickly like veered off from that. But it, it, of course, it's a big part of my life. Yeah, uh, same. And it was a big part of you know when, when I was talking earlier about how like me trying to cram myself into these these whole you know round peg in a square hole kind of thing my way of dealing with it was party was like the drugs and alcohol the the dealing with like not feeling like so so you know like I'm I think I mentioned last episode like I was never the best athlete I I was fine I was good I wasn't I was 
decent in school, but I wasn't definitely not. And that's not like a masculine identity to be good at school, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, well, maybe. I guess it depends. Depends on where you're coming it from. It depends on where you're coming from. Dep- yeah. Like it, if you're coming, I, I, for I, me, it was not in my circles. People were like, oh, that's cool. Like you did well on a test, but nobody was like, you're the fucking man because you like have straight A's. Yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily like that old stereotype of like, oh, you're a nerd if you do it. It wasn't that. Yeah. But it wasn't like, in, you know, like it was maybe more classic, like the football, the quarterback was definitely more popular than whoever was our valedictorian that mm-hmm. I don't really remember. Um, but so what I learned was that I was, I was fun. I could be really fun and I could, I, I could also drink with anybody. Mm-hmm. Like we all drank lots of beer you know, we drove, even in the city, we'd find, you know, you'd find like the, f- drive a little out of town, find a field and park the, your car and everybody just drinks. And I could drink all night. I could go with anybody like, and, and that going to college was a thing. I remember my, my, it was like the first week of freshman year and we were all in the dorms and there was sort of like, you know, it was like, oh, I had my roommate and a guy from my floor that I had just met, both of them. And we were like, oh, what are we going to do? You know, like, and it was sort of this thing, you know, everybody's there trying to prove who they are and, and you're getting to know each other. And, and this idea of like, you know, my roommate's from Chicago and I'm like, oh, this kid from Oklahoma. And I remember we just went to where all the frat houses are and we just like walked into this frat house and there's a party kind of going on. But we just like walked and then just walked up to a room, like kind of went up some stairs. And in retrospect, it was like kind of a very dangerous idea, but we just walked in and there was a bar there. And like, so they had, you know, some guy serving drinks and I was like, Hey, can I get a beer? And some guy who turns out was like one of the, in the fraternity or whatever, he's like, Oh, we, you can have one of those if you can, if you try and shotgun. And I remember in that moment being like, this guy has no clue who I am. Like I've been shotgunning beers for four years at this, like I, and we ended up me and him like shotgun, like three beers. And he's like, Oh, you're great. Like you guys hang out here all night. Like this guy's the shit, whatever. And I'm like, that was my access point. I found my new access point. And that, that was how I started college. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, okay, I'm not, I'm definitely not playing sports in college. I'm not, I wasn't like, the most like the best with like women like I was not like a smooth talker I wasn't the guy who like in that but I was like I can party with anyone mm-hmm. and so that was my new thing and it led to some dark places that was your power that was my that was my power that's yeah. how I found power yeah um because yeah man I mean I can just remember story after story and and in retrospect it's so like I remember it was like midway through that first semester I came home I had a late class I came home on a Thursday night and my roommate was in my room with two women from our floor I think and they were like taking shots and I was like you know it's like I it wasn't I wasn't enough of a man or enough I didn't feel enough of a man to just sit down and talk and be like hey you know whatever and I had to use that access point. I had to use this power that I had to show my worth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Oh, what have you guys, you know, I got to catch up. And so they were like, Oh, we've already had like eight shots or whatever. So I'm like, fine. So I just line up eight shots and just throw down eight. And then I throw down two more to kind of be like, see, I'm, I'm the man. And man, I, that, <laughs> the more drinking continued, but within a couple hours, I was like, I ended up sleeping on the ground outside my dorm that night in Colorado in just a pair of jeans with like, and like being woken up by some guy going to class the next morning, like kicking me being like, do you want to come in? Like, you know? And so like the, and that was like a fun story. That was like a fine, that nothing bad happened really. Um, But again, it was like, and I would tell that story to people as if like, a badge of honor. Yeah. Like, aren't I cool? Like you see what I did? And that was on Thursday night. Like you should see me on a Friday. Like, um, but yeah, totally that thing of it was my power. It, it was like my superpower almost. Because like I was the guy, you know, I've ne- I was never, I, I never passed out. I might black out, but I would never pass out. Um, I like, I didn't go down until I, actually until I kind of sobered up a little. Um, because I don't know, I just had that thing in me that like it gave me energy. So it really was like I had this superpower that I had access to, to mm-hmm. where it was like, 
if you want to have a good time, we can have a good time together. And it gave me worth and it gave me strength. Like it made, it was like I was strong at that. Yeah. But well, so let's take a break and then talk a little more about, so like you, you know, at this point you're drug dealing, I'm drinking. <laughs> let's a talk a little drug bit. dealer, by the way. <laughs> terrible. I want to hear about what makes Gosh. a terrible drug dealer. Let's, uh, when we come back, we'll kind of talk about how those things may be turned, where they, I mean, where, what they led to. Um, yeah, we'll go from there. Okay. Cool. Nice. Welcome back, Walls Down Podcast. Walker and Mike. Yo. Um, so we were talking about, you know, being at college age. How old were you when you started, when you finished basketball? Uh, I was about 18. Okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, real young. Yeah. And that's, I was probably the same age when I was, got to college and like took my partying to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you mean? What What is a bad drug dealer? <laughs> I was basically... Selling drugs just to get high. I wasn't making any money off of it. <laughs> like, not at all, man. I was, like, wearing another mask. I was, like, the most uncomfortable drug dealer mm. ever, you know? Because I knew, like, I wasn't supposed to be doing it. Uh, I just didn't have any guidance. Or how, how can I ask, how did you act as a drug dealer? What did you... Because there's different types of drug dealers, I feel like. I've had enough experience that there's, like, the angry guy, there's the silent guy, there's the fun guy, there's the... I was a mixture of, like, the silent and fun guy, Mm. you know, because everybody knew me as a basketball player. Mm. I just started selling drugs, selling Mm. weed, you know, selling pills. Mm. Um, I definitely... I got into fights, obviously, but, like, I wasn't, like... The so, hard like walking around like, so what uh, do you uh, what do you mean obviously because fighting i in retrospect fighting was a big part of my story as well but i never saw myself as a fighter at the time yeah i was definitely not a fighter huh. um i was fighting for like other friends that were talking shit you know totally so it yeah. wasn't me that was like instigating anything yeah. or whenever i got into a fight it was usually because i was high yeah you know and i was with a friend that was talking shit um, so I just fought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was not a fighter by any means. I mean, so. that was the thing I used to always say. It's like, I don't, I just like, I'm in these, cause I've probably been in a couple dozen fights in my mm-hmm. life and I've been uh, knock. I mean, I'm, I was not like the tough guy, you know, I, I probably lost more of them than I won mm-hmm. depending on how you determine that. I mean in retrospect it's like again it, but it was this like hyper masculinity thing of like i hung out with a group of friends we loved to party we we're all again not none of my friends were like bad people like i like yeah. them all to this day they're yeah. fun guys they have families they have you know like they're productive men of society we just when we, we were together we really we you know we like to party we like to be loud we like to you know we weren't the like sit and smoke weed and chill kind of group we were the like let's go crazy, let's rip shots, let's like, you know, others like just kind of get crazy and oftentimes, you know, I always said like, oh, I just have friends who like to talk shit and so you got to back your friends up and then, oh, I worked, you know, I worked in bars, I'm like, oh, I work at rowdy bars and mm-hmm. sometimes the staff has to fight the customers and, you know, and those things would happen but the funny thing was is that like I was scared shitless in every fight. Like, in every, like, whether I ended up kicking the person's ass or whatever, or we were yelling at each other, I would have, like, tears. Yes, I was just about to say that. Heart starts beating fast. Oh, yeah, yeah. You feel, like, almost like like the anxiety is so, (laughs) I I guess it's, like, the adrenaline or whatever, but, like, I never, and, and there was also that thing, you know, you, if you get in a fight with your group of your friends, what, whatever happens for the rest of the night, you're just, oh, I got, you did that. And then yes. you threw that guy. And, yeah. and there, there, so there's this skin that's just like this bonding exercise, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like this very almost like caveman style yeah. bonding exercise of where we're like, well, even if we just kind of, even if we almost got our asses kicked or mm-hmm. did get our asses kicked, you still like kind of, oh, and then this, you know, they jumped us and yeah. this and that. Yeah. And, but I was in the moments before it and right after when it was like real, yeah, man, I was scared terrified. shitless. I and was like, terrified. And 
wasn't that wasn't fun. Like, no, that wasn't. I didn't feel again. It didn't feel in who I was. Like I haven't gotten a fight in a long time, and it's not. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like because I'm a truer version of myself, and I know I certainly have no men my age that still getting fucking fist fights certain every now and then or what you know what I mean they're mm-hmm. like we'll get physical I don't get physical with people now like I'm it, it's not true to who I am yeah like I'm a very like and so again like I think there was just this constant acting in the role that I wasn't yeah and a lot of my friends at the time um I talked to some of them still here and there like we were just like kids that like we all had like uh, family issues, so we like got together, you uh. know, and it was like misdirected anger, hmm. you know, from like what was going on at home, yeah. you know. That's so. Right. How did you guys uh, sort of? D- is it in retrospect you saw that? Yeah, yeah. like as I'm sitting here, like talking to you right yeah, now, yeah. I'm like looking back, um, and I'm like, oh man, like we were just like angry men. It wasn't boys. like you were in a club for children of divorce <laughs> yeah it, well, it, kind it of sort of was yeah, it was, yeah. sort of was like my one of my closest friends his dad and mom got divorced and like we would bond off of that and just smoke and drink and do yeah. pills and that was like our yeah. connection so when did it i mean did you feel like at the time let's say you're 18 19 did you feel like you were having a good time i mean there were there were when I first started using, it was fun. Yeah. You know, it was fun because I was always in high school. I was like the kid that I was like, I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to drink like mm. basketball is the focus. Yeah. So after I graduated, it was like, this is fun. This is new. Mm. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm having a good time. And, you know, those times became problems. And then it just, you know, it just, that was what I was doing. Mm. And even then, I didn't think I had an issue, you know? Like, I didn't think I had a problem with, like, drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. I was still really young. Yeah. And, uh, but there was always still that little voice that was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? But I just would tune that voice out. Yeah. And, you know, I got sober really young. And How old were you? 22. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I probably could have got somewhere younger if I knew there was that was the option. Yeah, uh, I didn't know, and there was no one around me that was like sober. Or, hmm. uh, I mean, I would have those like, oh, I'm gonna stop using. Like, I can't use pills, mm-hmm. and like me and my friends would be like, all right, we're gonna stop using pills. Yeah, but you always had that drug dealer in the back pocket, like, yo, I'm gonna call. Don't tell so and so. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and that, you know, and that speaks to like, it's not to say that men are, we're fucking these monsters that, or that we're, but like, there is this idea of like helping each other and supporting each other. And, um, even that idea of like backing your friend up in a fight, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the, the grain of that is like connection and brotherhood and mm-hmm. like friendship. And it's the expression of that feeling Mm -hmm. you know like i I, like the the best way to show that i'm your friend is to like kick the shit out of someone who was trying to kick the shit out of you and it's like yet these aren't people i wasn't saying like oh i love you you're a great friend or like like i you know like i feel so close to you and i appreciate you having a a relationship and and i i imagine i i would imagine that even some people listening and hearing that language are like it's like cringeworthy almost you know but it's like why why does it have to be? Um, because it's actually like, is it not true? Is that why it's cringeworthy? Or is that it's just not, those are against, that's against the rules to say that, you know, to say to a friend, like I cherish that I'm, al- that I'm able to be honest with you. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, women, I think women, I don't know, yeah. but I th- we'll have to ask. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why? I mean, I know from my roommate, just hearing her interaction with Mm -hmm. her business partner, they say they love each other and they're like grateful um, for each other, like face to face. Like why, that's interesting. Why can't like you and I, or why does society do that as And especially when I was young, like I also, I realize now it's not only that I, 
like I have the gift of distance and age. Mm-hmm. Like I'm at a place where like I'm not 19, I'm not 20, I'm not like I I have a lot of compassion for myself at that age and young men at that age like trying to prove this stuff like because let's say I had just a whole, all of a sudden had this like awakening at that time and I had said that to my they would have been like, what the fuck are you mm-hmm. talking about? You know, like that was before the phrase no homo existed. Like, yeah. and, but that can't, you like, we loved Lil Wayne, by the way. Like yeah. that was like kind of our anthem music was yeah. Lil Wayne and like that he came up with that phrase that like to be like, hey, nice shoes, no homo. Like yeah. it's like, again, goes back to this like fear of anything non-hetero masculine and, mm-hmm. and it was, it was like, I wasn't afraid of gay people, but I was very afraid of people thinking I was gay. Yo, so <laughs> to just share a little story. One of my closest friends was wearing a dress yesterday mm-hmm. and I was walking down the street with him and I was like in my head, like, are people like, mm, it's uh, still in there. It's yeah, still yeah, in there. Yeah. One of my best friends yeah. is gay. And you know your whatever preference, you know, wherever yeah. you fit on any scale, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you, it does, but you're still worried that people might. I yeah. see people like looking at him, looking at me, looking at him, looking at me, and I'm just like, yo, just go with the flow. Like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Well, and I think, and, and I mean, I think we could probably do. We're gonna have several women and uh, LGBTQ people on here, but like, I think I, I was about to ask you, like, what was your relationship with like non-hetero friends? What was your relationship with women? But like, I feel like that's such a like that that's like a, that's, a, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah episode that's a whole, yeah. <laughs> that would take us. I mean, I could discuss that for a long, but but I will say this: my relationship with women was very complicated because my relationship to my own masculinity was very complicated, and I don't mean that my relationship. I knew I was heterosexual. Yeah. Um, but how, what that looked like and what that meant, how I, how I enacted that, as opposed, you know, did that mean you had sex with everyone you could, as many people as you could? Did that mean you got in a relationship? Did that mean you know, like that was very complicated for me. And and speaking to this idea of like who I felt I was supposed to be versus what felt natural. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was in college and it's like, you sleep with people blah, 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 and I, that just felt unnatural to me and it mm-hmm. felt uncomfortable and like scary to me to like, I just wasn't that kind of person. And then I, but I would get into relationships and that felt, but then, you know, feeling almost guilty or like I was doing something wrong because I wasn't randomly hooking up and having lots of sex. And, um, I mean, I, I would be in my relationship, but yeah. So, so, but I want to get kind of to, I want to get to kind of like where it got bad. Like, how did it, how did this, like these roles and these things like really take you down to where eventually, like, I know the drugs were too, but like, even maybe after you got sober, was there a time where you, this like change needed to happen where, or, or you had this kind of awakening? So like <clears throat> the drugs, I checked myself into rehab. I, I asked for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, got sober um, and even in sobriety I didn't have tools like I didn't know how to deal mm-hmm. with my anger I didn't know how to deal with like my sadness like I you know did the program and did all that and you know I was like sober young going to clubs living this life like young mm-hmm. sober kid having fun uh, everyone liked me mm-hmm. uh, but I was still walking around angry and just resentful and pissed off mm. because I didn't know what to do with these feelings. I didn't know how to like tap into these feelings. I thought that I was only supposed to feel happiness and joy. And if sadness or anger came along, it was like, nope, mm. I don't want that. I'm going to set it aside. So even in sobriety, like after getting sober, like I, I learned how to like talk to people and like get outside of myself and be of service. I just didn't know how to like, process my feelings Mm. and I wasn't going to go to therapy you know (laughs) like no (laughs) especially like a black man going to therapy like no like that's just not something my community does Mm -hmm. Uh, so I I wasn't doing that and what are there as a black man like what are the messages you get to the messages you get of where you're supposed to access help how push through it man up you know We don't talk about it, like, yeah. just just go and do it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, like, I wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, you go talk to somebody else. Like, why would I go talk to a mm. random person about yeah. what's going on with me? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just ass backwards. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, the, the longer I stayed sober, I was just, like, hitting my head against the wall, you know? Like, things just weren't working. And by the grace of God, like, I met this woman um, who, like, really, like, helped me. Like, I, she was, like, a life coach uh, and just, like, opened my, like, brain, my heart, like, cracked everything open mm. to, like, feeling, mm-hmm. like, my anger and sitting in it. Like, I would get so mad and she would just be like, sit in it. <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck do you mean? What does that mean? Sit in it. So I had to learn. Yeah, how do, how do I, I want to change it. Yeah, like, how do it. I get past this? Like, right. help me move through this. Mm-hmm. She's like, no sit with that feeling yeah. yeah because anytime before i'll say for myself it's like when i felt something it was like i need to change it and it's like nah. if i was angry at you if i was angry i need to change it by hurting something or, yes. or hitting a wall or fighting or something you know what i mean like i've broken my hands so many times from punching walls out of anger because it was obviously like i know other that was that was how you dealt with it you mm-hmm. let it out quote yeah unquote. i would cut people down with my my, mm. my words yeah that was something i would I'm a quick with my words mm-hmm. and I mean, I would get in arguments with her and she'd be like, Hmm, what, what's that about? Who are you yelling at Mike? Huh. Me or so-and-so? And I'd be, Oh, that would just piss me off <laughs> because it was almost like she just, she saw through it, saw through everything. Yeah. Everything. These, these walls and defenses and everything we've put up for years. like, I put them up. I didn't know I put them up. Me either. Not a clue. Yeah. Not a clue that I was walking around so angry and so miserable. She would, yeah. she said it was like I was like a robot. I was walking around asleep uh-huh. and had no idea that I was walking around asleep. Yeah. Because I was so programmed to like shut and push everything down that that was just a way of life for me. It was just to walk around angry yeah. and resentful. I think that's. Yeah, I mean, I love that imagery of like, yeah, the asleep, the like, robot, because that that really is how I feel now on the other side of it, which we'll talk about in a minute. But like, that was the same thing. Is like, I didn't know I had become this thing that was shut down mm-hmm. and this thing that was. Over time, you know, I didn't. I got sober later. It was like twenty twenty seven, which mm-hmm. is still relatively young, yeah. but um, it just I the layers and layers of. I hate myself. I need to bury that down with something. I hate my upset. Like, and again, I had a, when I, I was asked to go to rehab, Mm -hmm. my people that cared about me. Um, and I went, but there was a woman there also who was like, like you said, that had that ability to see through all of it. And I remember I was, you know, I I would, I hated therapy. I would get so anxious and angry. I didn't want to go. And I didn't even know why. Like Mm -hmm. even when I had tried to go before I got sober, like people like you need to see a therapist so I try, and I would like again hope that I would like get a car accident or my <laughs> pop a tire or something on the way there, so I just didn't have to go. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I don't know what you want me to talk about. I don't know what do you want. What do you want? Like, just tell me, ask me questions. Um, but this woman and I kind of was doing that, and she said, first of all, she said, you're completely full. Uh, you you have so much shame and so much guilt. And I was like, I didn't even know that. And then it was funny at the end of this, one of our, maybe our second or third session, you know, I'm in inpatient, so you go quite a bit. She said, do you want to know what I, my reaction is, what I think? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, sure. You know, I've been saying all my stuff. And she goes, I think you're full of shit. And this, I was like, what? Like in my head, I was like, can a therapist say that? Like, okay. <laughs> like, um, but in retrospect, it was the truest thing. It was exactly what I needed to hear because that kid who put on the polo and cut his hair and started being the clown and started being the partier and the and us was like finally someone called him out yeah you know whatever how 15 16 years later someone finally like said like i see through this shit yeah this isn't real this is not who you are yeah it was and like, it, we see you. Yeah. I see and, you. And then it was, it wasn't like, like, I know who I am now. It's all true. No. It was like, holy fuck. Then what am I? That yeah. like shook it all. Yeah. Down. And I mean, and I could talk about how it was dark before, 
but that piece really like that was that point of like it just like let's wipe it all. I mean, it was all still there, but it was like there was a hole punch right through all of it. And so then it was like the new kind of journey began. And this was before you got this was this in was rehab. This was in rehab. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's Just let's take a break and then we'll come back in the last uh we'll we'll uh talk about kind of what our journeys and again that's a long conversation but there'll be more to it but I want to just kind of talk about what it's been like kind of since we've at least started this new journey and kind of what brought us to wanting to do this podcast okay all right Welcome back, Walt Down Podcast. Um, yeah, so this, so what, what, what was it like after you know you met with that woman, and and what does it look like from there to here? It was almost like listening to you, and like when you reference um, the woman, like popping basically like your balloon of like all these different external things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was like, I could breathe now. Someone sees me for just uh-huh. Mike. Even though I don't know who Mike is right now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was still like, oh, okay, cool. And like, I trusted her. Like, I, I 100% mm. trusted her. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, you have to be able to trust someone yeah. to trust them to like change. Yeah. And she yeah. allowed me a space to just be me, whatever that was. Mm. Um, and she pushed me in a way that I've never been pushed before. Um, and we did, we did therapy and like inner child work and a lot of different weird <laughs> techniques. And What was it like? I mean, I assume you weren't just all of a sudden like, all those old defenses are gone. Hell. Bring it on. No, 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 no. It was like, it was, it was hard. I was like, uh, letting go of that old self, that old identity. Um, yeah. Those old masks, those old survivor, uh, tools, yeah. you know, techniques. And yeah, it's like you have all the, it's like you have all these tools <laughs> It's like, you're like, I have this whole tool set of how to like maintenance a horse buggy. And they're mm-hmm. like, we're driving cars now. Yeah. Like we're not, you don't need, none of that works anymore. Yeah. And you're just like, uh, yeah. what, what? Okay. But I trust that you know better than me, mm-hmm. you know? And you made it very clear, like riding on the wall, like this old way of living is not working for me. Yeah. And I, and I'm, and I'm in a lot of pain right now. And it's not working. And that that was the key for me too. Was like all these challenges to this this identity I had developed. I I would never have accepted any of them or sat around or sat stayed around long enough or tried them or blah da 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 if I wasn't in so much pain. Yeah, my pain tolerance <laughs> is very high. Yeah, but yeah, but you couldn't be. And, and maybe for people out there, like maybe. Maybe you're not in enough. Maybe that yeah. you know, like, again, this isn't to help. This isn't to tell anyone they need to change. This isn't. This was for me. I was in so much fucking pain, and I don't mean just because I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that was very painful. But I was doing that. That felt better than what I was feeling if I took those things away. And you know what's interesting? Um, for being sober and being in that much pain is like the most miserable (laughs) thing ever because we have nothing to take that edge off. There is no taking a drug or Mm. drinking or any of that. It's just like in your face. You can't mute it. You can't turn or even turn it down. You can't turn it down. So those like thoughts are just like, as soon as I woke up, it was just like there. And it was just got to that point where it was like, oh, I need to change something. And luckily, like, I started doing this, like, work, doing the inner child work. And it was, like, painful. 
and it was hard and I had to like relearn a bunch of things and like reparent that mm. like younger me and yeah. sit and it was awkward yeah. and it was I was angry a lot of the time yeah. um, I didn't want to hang out with anybody you know because it was just like uh, I'm living two different lives mm. and I would judge people and I would judge myself because it was like what the fuck why do I have to do this work but in, mm. in yeah. but well, and in a way, was that did that make you feel like less of a man? Not less of a man. It just made me angry that no one showed me any of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. it was just like, what the fuck, yeah. man? I could have saved years if like someone taught me this stuff. You know, yeah. someone taught me how to like just have, just speak up for myself. Yeah. You know, like if I'm in pain, tell somebody that I'm in uh, pain or if I'm in pain, just go and sit and be like, I don't have to explain myself right away. That yeah. doesn't mean I'm not going to explain myself. That just doesn't mean like right now I'm so mad or so mm -hmm. sad that I don't know how to articulate what I want to articulate effectively. Mm -hmm. I wasn't taught any of that. So it wasn't that I was like less of a man it was like oh shit i'm learning how to be a man now uh -huh. like it was just like oh shit men do cry men do talk and it's okay to voice my opinion like that's it's and that's so interesting too because it's like as men we're t like we are given like you do voice your opinion you make it you jam your opinion down everyone else that that was that was the messages I picked up. Was mm -hmm. like you, a man makes his voice heard. A man makes his like makes everyone agree with him. A man, you know what I mean. And maybe I didn't feel as comfortable doing all those things, so I didn't feel like a man. Yeah, that well, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. I didn't know how to speak up for myself. Yeah, and then I would let it just boil, and then I would explode, and then I was cussing everybody out, or just annihilating anybody in yeah. my way yeah um, yeah I mean I was thinking about like um, that thing of like a lot of people and I asked that like did you feel like less of a man because a lot of people I have met or, or you know if we want to talk about we can talk about sobriety but really just like change in general like mm -hmm. big fundamental change I think there's this block because it's like to want, well, there's two things. One, I think like this idea that I have to get sober, or I have to change it all or whatever is admitting, like people feel like it's admitting weakness mm -hmm. or defeat or defeat. Like mm -hmm. I lost. Um, Sorry for the sirens. I think there's an ambulance yeah. coming. <laughs> I told you it was live out there yes. in Brooklyn. Um, but it's also like, you're saying I'm weak. I lost. I need help. I don't have the answers. I'm giving up. I'm giving. Yeah, like all these things. So like any kind of change, I think like to admit that as a person, it that's uncomfortable. Like mm -hmm. it goes against what we're talking about going against. Like yeah, like it is hard to admit that you need help as a man because you're a man. Yeah, like or what we believe it is to be a man. Um, and I felt lucky in that. I was, <laughs> it had gotten bad enough for me that there was no delusion. Like people, you know, like I've heard you know, like people be like, oh, it's so humiliating to have to be so, you know, what am I going to go, on a, go out on a date and say I'm sober? And like, that's humiliating. And for me, it was like, what I've been doing is humiliating. Yeah, exactly. The way I've been living was humiliating. Yeah. Like there was nothing prideful about the way I was living. Mm -hmm. And so again, having that... <laughs> beating myself down so hard allowed me to access these things you're talking about mm -hmm. of learning how to have pride in, in my version of who I was, not what I assumed other people wanted me to be, what I assumed these, like that, the thing I read at the very beginning of like all those rules where I got the rewards and I got the encouragement and I got the punishments if I didn't do them. Yeah setting all that aside and just barely starting to see that it was, I could just be my version of a man. And like, 
that has slowly piece by piece progressed. You know, you know, this has been a very slow process, Mm -hmm. but to me, that's like where I am today and where you and I are like, where I feel like doing this work with you is that like my understanding of what it is to be a man now is to be your real version of yourself. Yeah. And to be confident in your real version of yourself. Yeah. And you could say the same thing for, to be a woman or to be a trans person or anything like any gender. But for me, that like if I feel most masculine when I'm comfortable, like even if it's totally, sometimes even when it goes against the stereotype of masculinity, when I'm confident that, that I am that thing, I feel like a man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess that would be my question to you also is like having done this work, having this like been like healing your, your younger self, how does that influence what it is to you now? I'm more, I would say, authentic, um, more open-minded. Mm. Uh, I listen a lot more. Mm. I sit back and listen. I'm still, like, outgoing and, like, fun and, like, make jokes and crack jokes and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm more calculated with what I say. And I'm softer with mm. myself. And I allow myself to just be, like, if I get angry, I just sit Mm -hmm. there. And I'm not sitting there in the anger. I'm, like, allowing myself to feel that Hmm. and not judging myself for being angry. If I'm happy, I, like, allow myself to be happy. You know, I allow my feelings to be. I don't, like, push through them. Uh, Yeah, or try to say that feeling's wrong, I need to have a different feeling. Yeah, I don't judge myself. Mm. And the more that I have, er, the more compassion I have for myself allows me to have more compassion for other people. Mm. And I'm able to like, not try to correct them for what they're doing, Mm -hmm. but just let them have their own experience. And if they want my opinion or want my help, yeah, cool. Yeah. Hi everyone, this is Walker. Um, I don't know what happened on this episode. We recorded it quite a long time ago and I've been editing the episodes and realized that the end of this just cut off. So I'm sorry this happened on our second episode. We're still trying to figure out a lot of the technical stuff, but hopefully it doesn't happen in future episodes. Basically, we this is sort of the end of the episode. All we really talked about was... Um, we finished up the conversation we we're having and then introed that, you know, on the next episodes we would have guests that we would be interviewing and we also talked about you can um, reach out to us on our, you can always, of course, please follow or subscribe, I guess, and rate and review us because that gets uh, us to come up higher in searches on iTunes and you can reach out to us at our email at wallsdownpodcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts or you have people you want you think would be good to interview or if you think you would be good to be interviewed or if you just want to troll us. Um, yeah, reach out and let us know. And again, sorry the end of this cut off. I have no idea what happened. But hopefully we'll get better at this as we go along. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you.